Chris Henshaw, you probably know from like aerobic capacity, came into CrossFit and with minimal doses, he significantly improved the endurance of athletes like Jason Klepa, like Rich Froning. How did he do it? Not by adding some like new fancy training protocol or workout plan. He simply filled a hole in their physiology. He found a hole and he filled it. Jason and Rich were unacceptably bad at sustainable cyclical work and Chris just helped them address that limiter. Nasal breathing does the same thing for a lot of athletes. It simply fills a hole in their physiology. If you are mouth breathing all the time, that's a dysfunctional motor pattern. The simplest way to fix it, shut your mouth. Hey, it's Ben Wise, and this is The Fitness Movement. Fitness Movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. Zor Fitness is my company and my platform to deliver incredible training-related content to people just like you. I don't just podcast. I write in-depth fitness articles. I break down common movements in the sport of fitness. I program workout plans, and I offer one-on-one coaching for competitive and recreational athletes. And the best part is most of what I have on ZorFitness.com is totally free. Check out these resources by going to ZorFitness.com. That's Z-O-A-R Fitness.com. Hope to see you there. And welcome back to my rant on nasal breathing. Starting off today, reading an excerpt from my book, Breathwork for the Sport of Fitness. And this is going to be available at zorfitness.com slash store, or I'll put it on the show notes. And the show notes will always be zorfitness.com slash podcast slash, in this case, 004, the number of the podcast. And it's always going to be written as a three-digit number. So in this case, again, it'll be zorfitness.com slash podcast slash 004. You can find it there as well. So let's get into it. This is a quote from my book. Belly and nasal breathing help an athlete stay calm prior to competition, stay sustainable and relaxed during a low intensity effort and help return an athlete to a state of homeostasis after a workout quickly, which accelerates recovery. Belly and nasal breathing are natural patterns. Think back to how a baby breathes. Walking around, breathing up in your chest with your mouth hanging open isn't natural. The vast majority of the time, 98 to 99%, you should be nasal breathing. During sleep, your daily activities and chores, your desk job, etc. The 1-2% to applies to when you are in a high-stress environment, such as maximal exercise. Think about nasal breathing like drinking pure filtered water. Mouth breathing, on the other hand, is like drinking water straight from a pond. When you draw air in through your nose, the hair-like villi work as a filter to catch particles. As air passes through the nasal passage, it is moisturized and warmed. As air continues its journey, mucus catches many of the other smaller particles. The nasal cavity is filled with nerve endings, and some of these activate the parasympathetic branch of your nervous system via the vagus nerve. As part of this reaction, capillaries in the peripheral tissue dilate, allowing more blood to reach limbs and increases the body's ability to lose heat through radiation and evaporation. This is aided by nitric oxide produced from the sinuses, which dilates the blood vessels in the alveoli of the lungs. This vasodilation allows an increased oxygen uptake significantly, increasing efficiency of oxygen uptake per breath. However, in terms of maximum ventilation rate, mouth breathing far exceeds nasal breathing. It's like trying to drink out of a fire hose. This is why you will never be able to match your mouth breathing top performance while nasal breathing. The goal isn't maximum capacity while nasal breathing. It's about closing the performance gap between the two. A good example of this, it's like lactate threshold and VO2 max. With respect that, the two markers will never be the same, but many benefits come from the distance of that gap being narrowed. 
It's not just about physiology. It's also about learning. An athlete must be able to control their body as a system and know how it responds to different stressors. Most athletes aren't, quote, literate nasal breathers. They don't understand it as a tool. In my experience, both as an athlete and as a coach, most people start moving and immediately start mouth breathing. Even when the metabolic demands of a workout are low, the mouth starts hanging wide open. It's simple. Are you mouth breathing in your warm-up? Warm-ups are not maximal. Shut your mouth. Breathing this way is a dysfunctional motor pattern. No different than a butt wink in your squat, an early pull in your clean, or a heel strike in your run gait. Dysfunctional motor patterns need to be fixed or there will be consequences. The consequences might be subtle and take place years down the road, or they might take you out of commission for a season of time. You can probably be an elite CrossFit athlete and heel strike when you run. There's evidence of that. You can also probably be a CrossFit Games competitor and always mouth breathe during exercise. It's the difference between acceptable and optimal. Good athletes spend the time it takes for the 1% improvement. Gold athletes spend the time it takes for the 0.1% improvement. End quote. So if you caught it in there, one of the things that was in that was dilating peripheral capillaries when you're nasal breathing. So that's the tiny blood vessels that deliver food, essentially fuel substrate to your cells and actually remove waste. Those are opening up more as you're nasal breathing or belly breathing. And a lot of those have kind of crossover benefit here. But realize that the opposite is true. Like you'll shut down blood flow. The capillaries themselves will close if you aren't breathing effectively. If your respiratory muscles become fatigued, your body will actually restrict blood flow and shut down blood flow to your limbs. And this is a term called metaboroflex. Let's talk about that for a second. I know it's a big word, but why? Why is your body redirecting blood away from your limbs when your respiratory muscles become fatigued? It's the same reason why your body shuts down blood flow to your limbs when it's cold outside and you get cold, like your hands and feet get numb. It's a survival mechanism. You're prioritizing the critical systems of your body. If you stop breathing, if your heart stops pumping, if your CNS shuts down, you're donezo. Like you're going to die if any of those systems stop working. So your body prioritizes them in what it perceives as a survival setting, something where you are having a, a threat come on to you. And this is exactly what's happening at maximal exercise. We're having a sympathetic nervous system response as fight or flight response. So what does it actually mean when we're restricting blood flow? It means vasoconstriction. It means that the smooth muscle tissue in your arterial walls is shutting down those capillaries. It's a way to shunt blood flow away from certain areas of your body. It's redirecting blood flow away from the surface of your body so that if you get a flesh wound, that's the whole point of like fight or flight. If you got injured in this environment, you're not going to bleed out. If you bleed out, you're going to die. So your body is protecting you from that. It's just one of the mechanisms that happens during fight or flight and during the sympathetic nervous system response. And when we're talking about restricting blood flow, it's literally you're shunting blood flow away from certain areas of your body because you shut down those areas. And then the other question I kind of want to answer is what causes your respiratory muscles to fatigue? Well, number one, it'd be fast and deep ventilation. So we can think of powerful efforts at moderate duration. So basically every CrossFit workout ever. (laughs) And then two, when you are using them in dual roles, when you're using your respiratory muscles for two different things. So in this case, breathing and moving. I actually wrote an article on this. I'll link to it in the show notes. Zorfitness.com slash podcast slash 004. Just a really kind of brief on that. My article that I wrote is essentially when you breathe and when you move, your respiratory muscles tend during certain movements 
do both those roles where they obviously help you exchange air and gas and help you ventilate, but they also help you actually move and create physical movement that you can like moving your body or moving an external load. And when those happen, when there's conflicting roles, when you have to both breathe and move during those times, that is when you really start to ramp up fatigue. So basically CrossFit style workouts, Metcons, dynamic contractions, all those sorts of scenarios are going to demand way more of your breath If you didn't know that already, I feel like everyone's pretty intuitive that they feel like, yeah, okay, I get out of breath during workouts. It's obvious, which is true. It's a a very intuitive thing. Nasal breathing is just one of your tools to help counter this onslaught that we're getting during this high intensity mixed motor work. And nasal breathing at submaximal exercise helps you to cope with that maximal exercise. And it's not necessarily that you're going to be nasal breathing during maximal exercise, but that your ability to be able to breathe better at submaximal exercise will transfer to better performance at maximal exercise and better sustainability within that. Nasal breathing at that submaximal exercise is going to help you in two different ways. Number one, breathing through your nose is harder than breathing through your mouth. Wow, another fun fact. Your mouth is literally bigger than your nostrils. Look how big your mouth is. Look how big your nostrils are. Your nostrils are much smaller. So it is more difficult and it takes more energy and more strength from your respiratory muscles to pull air in. It's like wearing one of those airflow restriction masks. So it's more difficult to get air in. At submaximal exercise, this helps train you to have stronger respiratory muscles. And then it also has some other benefits that masks wouldn't have. So for example, nasal breathing helps you learn to control your state. So being more parasympathetic longer, which will increase your ability to number one, just regulate your energy output, your breathing as a whole, and your quality of movement in the first place, and actually prevent you from having that metaborflex at all. So let's talk about stress and nasal breathing. I always recommend people to start off nasal breathing in non-stressful training environments with the goal to be to keep the stress low. If you're not in a stressful environment, let's just say you're like rowing at a really slow pace, that's not supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be stressful. You're just kind of moving. Then the goal of nasal breathing is also to help keep that stress lower. Whereas if you start mouth breathing at that low output, your body's going to perceive that as more of a stressor just because you're breathing with your mouth. And this is the reason why we don't want to be breathing through our mouth in day-to-day activities like walking around, like when you're at the office, when you're sleeping, when you're watching TV, like all those times you should be breathing through your nose. And the goal is to keep that stress low and to keep parasympathetic. And just so you know, I personally complete and also program some stressful nasal breathing pieces. And the reason why I do this is so that we can increase capacity in these ways because we only respond pretty well to things that are stressful. If we want you to adapt, we have to present you with a stressor so you have a reason to adapt. So if I want you to get better at nasal breathing, besides just repatterning and learning to do it more often and kind of having that be the default pattern, if I want you to have higher level abilities, then I'm going to have to present you with some stress and I'm going to have to give you an environment where it challenges your ability to breathe through your nose as you do that. So that's the reason why I give people more stressful nasal breathing pieces. And it doesn't happen all the time. It's more so on off season. It's more so during uh, recovery days. It's more so during easier pieces. But sometimes I'll give them those stressful pieces as well. And that's the reason why, to help them actually increase their capacity to nasal breathe so that they have better options down the road in terms of they have better respiratory muscle strength, they have better sustainability in their workouts. So one of the questions that I find people really don't ask me a lot, which I almost get frustrated with, is when should you not nasal breathe? Is there a time that you should not be doing it? Yes, absolutely. There's times where you, well, number one, you're not going to be able to nasal breathe. 
And number two, it's going to inhibit your performance if you try to nasal breathe during that. So number one would just be like competition in general, especially during like max effort pieces. I just think of like traditional kind of crossfit workout in a competition setting. For the majority of that time, I'm not going to say universally, but for the majority of those scenarios, you don't want to be nasal breathing during that. Also say like most scenario, like if you're lifting to a max or really heavy, then it's basically stopping you from shifting states to a more sympathetic state. And that's something that you actually want to do in a max lifting environment, especially if sustainability isn't as much of concern. You want to go towards lifting maximal loads, then go towards the sympathetic, go to that stress, go to fight or flight, because that's going to help you to actually be able to lift those max loads. Two, dynamic mixed modal work at high efforts. So this would just be like your traditional CrossFit workouts that you want to prioritize the work and the total output over your maybe learning curve or sustainability or anything like that. And for the most part, people aren't able to actually nasal breathe during this. And it's just something that is super common. And it's not necessarily something to avoid, but at lower level activities, start to incorporate more of those pieces so that you're able to create sustainability and stay ahead of your breathing in that kind of mixed modal dynamic setting. And then lastly, I don't think you should be nasal breathing during important high effort pieces. This is going to happen more in competition prep and obviously actual competition than it will in off season and when you're prioritizing other areas. But if you have a piece that you're like, this is my engine piece of the day and I just really want to focus on this and hammer this as hard as I can, well then you're capping yourself and you're you're limiting your ability to produce max output if you're not breathing through your mouth. So just so you know, there is a little bit of debate within the community. And anytime there's a debate, you probably shouldn't be in general, I'm generalizing here, but you shouldn't be on the far end of either side. So for example, the high intensity, low intensity thing for like working out. Imagine if you were on the far end of either one of those where you're super high intensity all the time. Well, that's a terrible recipe for athletic development as a whole. You're going to be burnt out and just washed up and probably your fitness is going to go down and you're just going to feel like garbage all the time or opposite end of the spectrum, LSD all the time. Yeah. Not the drug people, long, slow distance. So like this is like the endurance community coming into it, especially in like the eighties and nineties, the LSD model was super popular. Another way to think of it would be like less low intensity, steady state, where as most of your work that you're doing is really kind of a low grade. You're just trying to accumulate as much mileage or volume or however you want to think about it as possible. Another recipe to be just broken and not develop well as an athlete. Either end of those spectrums aren't very smart. They're not very intelligent ways to go about your training. And it's just a really poor model for athletic development as a whole. Likewise, if you nasal breathe all the time, you never don't breathe through your nose. That's a poor model for athletic development. There's going to be things that you need to breathe through your mouth for, and you should allow yourself to do that. Likewise, someone who says nasal breathing has no utility at all for the athlete, blah, blah, blah. It's the exact same thing. It's a far end of the spectrum to say that a tool has no utility at all. It's just, again, a really poor model for athletic development. So if we think about it in that way, where can we kind of go to the middle ground where we realize these things have value and to be able to put that into a system, like an overall athlete's picture of what their lifestyle looks like and what their training looks like within the context, how can we start to prescribe nasal breathing in a way that helps promote that athlete's development? Then what are we going to be doing? Most of the time, especially in lifestyle and low level activity, you should be nasal breathing. When it comes time to like throw down, transition into a system sympathetic that allows you to express your capacity maximally, then don't be nasal breathing. I think oftentimes we make these things too complicated relative to what they need to be. Okay, so another question I get a lot is from beginners, and it's just, where do I start? The places that I recommend, if you're someone who's a beginner, you haven't been like nasal breathing a lot, or you haven't necessarily been paying attention to it a lot, 
This is where I recommend starting. Number one, during your aerobic warm-up. So just thermogenic, cyclical, jump on the, the bike for five minutes before class, that sort of environment. Or start off class with a 1K, breathe through your nose. Take your time. You want to have low-level output anyway. You're kind of transitioning from like a period of rest to a period of high work. That transition should be nice and steady and segmented. Nasal breathing is a great time to, to incorporate that there. Next would just be cyclical movements because cyclical movements, it's easier to focus on your breathing versus gymnastics versus weightlifting. And cyclical movements where you're at an easier output is a good time to do this. If you're rowing, biking, running, double unders, all those are great examples of when you should be, or you at least can start to incorporate nasal breathing. Next, it seems like it's the same, but it's not the same. Easy aerobic work. So basically things that are not stressful. So this doesn't necessarily have to be in the gym. I mean, it could be like if you're doing yard work, if you're push mowing your yard, is breathing. Like that's a great place to start. Start in your life, start in your lifestyle. Those activities, the low level activities, is a great time to do it. It could be just during easier pieces on recovery days. This can be mixed mode of work, but it's lighter. It's easier. It's maybe a little bit less dynamic. Things where you can nasal breathe with not relative ease, but it's not super stressful to you. Other scenarios, beginning of long workouts. So if you're doing MRF, the first mile would be a great time to do nasal breathing because it's helping you to stay relaxed. It's actually muting your output just a hair. And that's a good thing at the beginning of a really long workout. Like you don't want to go out too hot. You don't want to blow up early in that workout. So if you nasal breathe during the first X percent of that workout, maybe it's 20, 30, 40% of that workout, then it's just allowing you to be more sustainable for longer in that workout. And then eventually you can transition back to mouth breathing and that'll be very appropriate at that time. And lastly, another great time is during rest periods between intervals. So the great part about this is it's not going to mute your output, but it does help you shift state. So it helps you get back from that sympathetic state to a parasympathetic rest and digest state. So you just did an assault bike sprint, get off your mouth breathing, that's fine, blow off all that CO2. And then once you can get back into nasal breathing and do that the rest of your recovery period and recover that breathing. And then once you get back into the next interval, mouth breathe again, then recover back to nasal breathing. It's kind of that cycle between mouth and nasal, but the nasal is during the rest period of that interval. And then the goal of all of these different places that you're going to be starting off doing nasal breathing is to also let these items transfer to your daily activities and your sleep. All the things that you're just doing throughout your day, 99% of it, and unless it's maximal, unless it's super stressful, it should be nasal breathing. So start to pay attention to what you're doing and the mechanics and actual physiology that you have outside of the gym. I'm going to end off today with some mistakes that I see beginners make. Number one, they're doing too intense of work too soon. So if you feel like you're suffocating, then you're clearly not parasympathetic. So if you feel like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to pass out breathing through my nose because it's that stressful to you, you've built up way too quickly. You need to be starting with things that are less stressful and building into more stressful environments. Just to say you're on the bike, start slower than you think, like start at a low wattage and just slowly start to build into it over the course of several minutes rather than like try to get into it right away and then try to survive that onslaught of CO2 that you get. Mistake number two that I see athletes make a lot is taping their mouths. And while I think this is kind of easy to post on social media and it looks cool and it's extreme like CrossFit is and everybody loves that part of it, like ripping your hands and everything else, like people love posting about that and I get mad about it sometimes. <laughs> but um, it's just kind of a personal thing that I don't like when athletes tape their mouths because the whole point of this is that you are able to control your own physiology. 
It is also not just about controlling your own physiology, but it's to make certain pieces less stressful. And if you're taping your mouth, that's just kind of a sign to your body that, yeah, I'm suffocating myself to a degree here. And that's not a response that I want from my athlete during a workout, especially if I want it to be less stressful. I don't want them to feel like they're suffocating. I want it to be something that is relaxing, that is sustainable for that athlete. So taping their mouths is kind of a no-no in my mind. So number three, is nasal breathing just during the inhale. So they'll breathe in through their nose and then out through their mouth. And the reason why this is a mistake is because, think about it, if you're breathing in, only in, and especially if you're doing this with quite a bit of force, like forced air in through your nose and then breathing out through your mouth, you're just sucking all your nasal congestion in. And so it will create just a ton of congestion for that athlete. So when you breathe nasally, do it on both the inhale and the exhale. And it's perfectly normal to have some sort of nasal drip or booger slide or like all that kind of stuff when you're starting out, especially like it'll probably drop off with time as you do it more and more. But especially as you just start doing this, that's perfectly normal and will happen. But breathe both ways. So both inhale and exhale. My last kind of, this isn't as much of a mistake I see beginners make, but more so like a tip. Flare your nostrils. So a lot of people don't flare their nostrils initially. I guess that's a mistake, but flare your nostrils. And this is something that most people don't, maybe don't even think about. They don't even necessarily have a lot of control over, but it's something that ancient breath practices did a lot. They actually would stretch their nostrils and that can help you actually learn to be able to flare them as well. So that's something that while you're in especially more intense nasal breathing pieces, just start to flare your nostrils and it's literally making that cavity bigger so that you can take on more air, but yet you can still filter it and get all the benefits that you get from nasal breathing. So after all these reasons, I really hope that you at least consider starting to implement more nasal breathing in your workouts day to day. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay the course. If you enjoy the show, do me a huge favor and give the fitness movement a positive review. And as a way to say thanks, I will send you the 12-week workout plan of your choice from my website. Simply email me at ben at zorfitness.com. That's ben at zorfitness.com with Zor being spelled Z-O-A-R. Thanks in advance. Hey, it's Ben again. I want to talk for a moment about my book, Breathwork for the Sport of Fitness. I talk a lot about breathing on the fitness movement and for good reason. Breathing is the most fundamental of all movement, yet very few athletes actually know how to breathe to maximize their performance. If you find yourself saying something like, yeah, man, I just couldn't catch my breath in that workout. Literally, it's right there in your language. You are being limited by your ability to breathe. Please let me help you. You are the person I wrote this book for. If you have ever wanted a deeper understanding of your physiology, how to apply that to improving your performance, I highly recommend it. I cover everything from nasal breathing to Wim Hof, to using respiratory warm-ups and breath ratios, all to maximize your performance. I'm super excited for you to check it out. Go to zorfitness.com store or simply Google breathwork for the sport of fitness.